Also, you know, this movie's old enough to drink. Yes, it is. Isn't that insane? It is. Oh, my God. You know, I've never seen this movie before now. <laughs> I know. Luke, Lucas, our friend Lucas, this was a suggestion by email. Nikki, don't get mad. We're coming to you. Don't worry, girl. <laughs> okay? We're coming. We're coming. We see you. Uh, but but Lucas, I can see what this is doing for you. I can. <laughs> uh, it's just a strange experience, and we will get through it together. Yes, we will. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, we better get started yeah, then. I know. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where a man can change his stars, or a woman, or a lady. <laughs> Don't make everything so binary. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are talking about the 2001 anachronistic... Uh, Quasi-medieval adventure comedy romance film. Yes, yes. We are talking about A Knight's Tale. Yes, by suggestion by our dear friend Lucas, a very avid fan of the show. Lucas, thank you. Thank you, Thank Luke. you for your support always. We love you very much. We decided that because of this suggestion, we're going to do a little theme for the month of March. You did set us up with a theme for March, Lucas. Also, happy March. Happy March. Happy Women's Month. <laughs> but it's not going to be very woman-centric, is it? Nope, not in the content. Uh, this month, we decided we would do a theme about kings and knights. Kings and knights, baby. Here they come. So every title we cover this month is going to have something to do with either a king or a knight. They're not all medieval. They're not all medieval. We promise. <laughs> We've got some good stuff for you this month. Before we get started, don't forget, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And please remember to be practicing the three R's, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to come and join this little watch party. And guys, I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. Please come support us on Patreon. Please, for $5 a month, you can join our little onion tier that gives you access to all of our bonus episodes, to our television coverage, to our long-form coverage, and some things that we're going to be doing outside of the timeline. Yep, we've got Golden Girls coming up in March. We're guaranteeing you two posts a month for the time being, but... Yeah, no. We're it's a lot of editing, we're guys. Still, we're still adjusting to the new schedule and the new workload. <laughs> Gary Ann needs to live in between episodes, so. <laughs> or at least try to, you know? All right, anything else before we get started? I want to say how proud I am of you. Really? You put a lot of work into this. You put more work than I do into this, and I appreciate it very much so. You do a lot of hard work, a lot of good editing. We sound good. We look good. Not really. <laughs> Not a visual medium. We, we, I am in my work clothes, and you are in a Krusty Krab pizza t-shirt <laughs> with Mr. Krabs winking on the front, holding a pepperoni pizza. It's the pizza for you and me. It is. This episode is brought to you by Krusty Krab Pizza. Come on down to the Bikini Bottom. It's just under the Bikini Atoll in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's a nuclear graveyard, oh, so just be careful. God, Don't take the wrong turn and head to Rock Bottom. Not a lot of great restaurants down there. Believes enough a man can do anything. We could do this. In one month, we could be on our way to glory and riches none of us ever dreamed of. You can't even joust. 
think he's getting worse. He is getting worse. I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. You have to be of noble birth to compete. So we lie. My lords, my ladies. I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights. William Thatcher didn't make the rules. Born I've waited my whole life for this moment. To break them. Yes! Thank you, I'll be here all week. Well, that was different. And you are? Ulrich von Lichtenstein from Gelderland. Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. I would have him win my heart. You're my favorite knight. He's won four tournaments in a row. On a horse, that man is unbeatable. You're just a silly boy with a horse and a stick. It's called a lance. Hello? If the nobles find out who you are, they'll be the devil to pay. And pray that they don't. Ulrich von Lichtenstein is not who he appears to be. They're gonna arrest you. A dozen royal guards. I love you. There's nothing else to do. Run, and I will run with you. I will not run! I'm a knight. I'm here to compete. Let's dance, will I? So long as I can call you my own. All right, guys. So if you haven't seen this movie before, and Ross has not. I haven't. And I haven't seen it since I was like a freshman in high school. So that's been almost 15 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is inspired by the Canterbury Tales. And when I say inspired, I do mean very loosely. It's very loosely based. Yeah. The Canterbury Tales, if you ever took a humanities class in high school, you'll know that they were written by Jeffrey Chaucer. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. If you're listening. Gray, I really hope not, though. <laughs> She'll have no more respect for us, I don't think. Our teacher. Yeah. Our, our humanities teacher from high school. You really were the best, Jill. We love you. <laughs> and, like, guys, you know, there's about a year, a period of a year in Jeffrey Chaucer's life where historians cannot quite account for his movements and what he was doing. This is the year that that movie is supposed to be set in, when he is exposed to this vast world of jousting, knighthood, how he came to allegedly meet our heroes today. Indeed. This is Brian Helgeland. Should I know that name? You're not really. He he directed and wrote the film. Um, he's notable for work on L.A. Confidential and for Mystic River. He wrote the screenplays for those films. He won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for Mystic River. Oh. That's with Sean Penn and... Yeah. Exactly. No, no, I'm not laughing because of Sean Penn and because I was about to say Julia Roberts, right? But that's Mystic Pizza. Yeah, that's Mystic Pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Heldsland has just kind of taken the Chaucer tale and put more of a, a millennial spin on it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this movie is purposefully anachronistic. Indeed. Meaning that it is not historically accurate. No. This film is rife with uh, references that don't make sense because things hadn't either happened yet. None of this happened. Yeah, well, yeah, none of this happened. <laughs> it's Chaucer's fiction. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's Heldsland capitalizing on Chaucer's fiction. <laughs> but yeah, so... Guys, it's going to be a fun day. We've got so many cool names with us today. Indeed. 
indeed. And guys, I'm just saying, not a visual medium, but y'all have to see Heath Ledger in this movie. Indeed. He's so beautiful. I mean, the movie made $50 million. Yeah. Or at least, probably a little bit over that. I don't want to math right now. (laughs) Go to the Wikipedia page and do your own math. Folks, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. Like I just said, folks, playing our hero, William Thatcher, today, we have Heath Ledger. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. He was in The Patriot with Mel Gibson when we covered it back in July. Indeed. And you guys will also know him, obviously, from The Dark Knight, Ten Things I Hate About You, which is my favorite Ledger film. Hee <laughs> hee, Brokeback Mountain. Yep, Brokeback Mountain, which we will regrettably have to cover one of these days. We all know what happened in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need to see it. We knew what happened. Playing Jocelyn today, we have Shannon Sossaman. I've heard that name a few times throughout my life, but I don't really know her from anything else. Actually, you do. We are welcoming her back today. You're kidding. She was in The Holiday. Remember, <gasps> she's the random girl that Jack Black has as a girlfriend, Maggie. Oh, my God. I know. She's got a Kira Knightley feel to her. She does. You know what I mean? Those high cheekbones, the jaw that could cut diamonds. Oh my God, welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, hon. I forgot. I love the holiday. How could I have forgotten? And she was also in 40 Days and 40 Nights, The Rules of Attraction, one of my favorite movies ever, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Also, welcome back to Kicking and Streaming from the holiday, Rufus Sewell. <laughs> yeah, he's playing Count Adamar today. He was, uh, I know him best from Hamlet. He was Fortinbras in Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of Hamlet. I know him best from HBO's John Adams playing Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I love that because I remember when we watched that, I was like, which president was he? And you went, for the last time, he was not president. <laughs> that was in the pre-Hamilton. Days. Hey, he also played. He's in. Uh, he's in Gladiator. Oh yeah. He's in The Legend of Zorro. He also plays uh, Sidney Luft in Judy. That's right. Mm-hmm, with Renee Zellweger. Playing role in the Squire today, we have Mark Addy. Hey, Mark. Robert Baratheon himself is here. Also, the guy, the dad from Still Standing. He's Bill Miller. Yeah, he's the owner of one of the best American accents in media. But like, also, because like, yeah, because he's totally British, right? Yeah, he's from Yorkshire. Yeah, and so like, I think it's amazing. You know, he honestly deserves an Academy Award for his portrayal of Fred Flintstones. <laughs> In the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> Guys, welcoming back a lot of people this week. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Alan Tudyk. Yes, he is playing Watt, the other squire to William Thatcher's Knight. You guys will remember him from when we covered I, Robot, and Dodgeball. Oh, that's right. He is in Dodge. I wasn't here. No, you weren't. I had the vid. You had the vid. I did. And if you guys are brown coats, if you're Firefly fans, you'll know him as Wash, the pilot of Serenity. Oh. I did not know that he was the Tucker in Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes, he is. Okay. We have got to do that movie he's, soon. He's got a lot going on, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> you love Alan Tudyk. Because why is he, he so cute? Because he's a redhead. Yeah, that's exactly why. You I, love redhead. I have a thing for anyone redhead. (laughs) (laughs) Playing Kate the Blacksmith today, we have Laura Frazier. And we're welcoming her back to Kicking and Streaming. She was with us when we covered Iron Jaw Angels about a week. A week? 
a week ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. It feels like a week ago. She was with us when we covered Iron John Angels a couple of years ago. <laughs> when she was Doris Stevens. You guys will probably know her best from Better Call Saul. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, like, obviously some guest spots on Breaking Bad. And she was also in Vanilla Sky. Bless her heart. Playing our inspired tale teller here, Jeffrey Chaucer. We have Paul Bettany. He's a Steve Buscemi-looking motherfucker. He's, <laughs> what does that mean? He's notable for his roles in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, uh, yeah, he's, um, 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 oh, tell me his name. I can't remember. Uh, Portraying Vision? Yeah. And voicing Jarvis? Yeah, WandaVision. That's right. That's oh. that show on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, he's in the Ironmans and the Avengers and the Captain Americas. You might also recognize him from uh, A Beautiful Mind. He's in the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he's the monk in the Da Vinci Code. He's the albino monk. Yeah. This is him? Yeah. No wonder I hate him so much he's traumatizing. <laughs> I want to say it here at the top. This movie, entirely too long. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on that. It could have ended twice. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot going on in the middle that we just didn't need to see. There's just like one too many jousting montages. And to show you how (laughs) I wasn't not engaged. I was engaged. But you know what my first note is? What? I always thought the Columbia chick was kind of attractive. (laughs) You know, the Columbia Studios lady? From the vanity car? She kind of looks like Lady Liberty, but she's not. (laughs) She's doing the Lady Liberty pose. I always wanted to see the Columbia chick jump on the TriStar horse Pegasus thing. And like right away. And right away. (laughs) We get some on-screen text here at the beginning. Yeah, and I I wrote it down. Ross was like starting to type, and then he saw me typing. He was like, I'll let her write it down. I literally wrote, oh, I'll just let her write it down. (laughs) (laughs) In medieval times, a sport arose, embraced by noble and peasant fans alike. Though only noble knights could compete, the sport was jousting. For one of these knights, an over-the-hill former champion, it was the end. But for his peasant squire, William, it was merely the beginning. I know I said I wanted to get through this. I'd like to talk about medieval times a little bit before we start. Go right ahead. I have a friend. Oh, I have a friend. (laughs) She's one of my best friends in the whole world. And for her birthday, she decided she wanted to frequent an establishment called Medieval Times. I hear there's a couple speckled throughout the country. Maybe it's just a Midwest thing. I don't know. But it's, it was in Schaumburg, Illinois, and we pulled up to it. It looks like a gigantic White Castle. <laughs> but it's a huge studio. Like, we went in, and they had all the all the night merch, and she got knighted by air quote, the queen oh God. of the court. And one of our old comedy sports captains was in the show as a jouster or a member of the court. There was a king and a falconer and the knights. And, you know, our night won. Oh, really? Yeah, we got to eat some cold chicken. <laughs> and we had some nice drinks. And it, it was a fun time. It really was. But they really kind of immersed you in the jousting thing. And I, they did a really good job. Here's my one thing. The horses. Oh, yeah. Those poor animals are kind of being abused. Yeah, in the here and now. It's not 1212 anymore, guys. We don't need to do it anymore. And I worry about the horses in this movie, too. Yeah, I know. I hope they were taken good care of. Poor horses. Anyway, going on. We open with 
William Thatcher and his squires, Roland and Watt, and they are hassling a corpse. Oh, my God. It's William's master, Sir Ector. Sorry, Ector. He's dead. What do you mean, dead? The spark of his life is smothered in shite. His spirit is gone, but his stench remains. Does that answer your question? No, 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 no. No, he sleeps rousing. I have a good noodle star for you if you can tell me what Sir Ector is a reference to. An erection. No! Erector? No! Remember from Sword in the Stone, Sir Ector was the knight who adopted Arthur. Oh! Yes! Like King Arthur? Yeah! Sir Ector! Sir Ector! Insurrector? <laughs> Whoa! Trump 2024? Stop! I'm kidding. <laughs> Sir Ector has died from injuries he sustained during his last job. Match. Uh-huh. And uh, he's supposed to go up next. And, like, here's the thing Sir Ector, William, Roland, and Watt, this is what they do for money. Sir Ector enters tournaments, and as his apprentices, William, Roland, and Watt all assist him. And then they take the winnings, and that's how they eat. Yes. But now, Sir Ector has died, and they don't have anyone to go up in this next match. So they're not going to get any money. I don't think we're meant to take this film seriously <laughs> i have a couple of problems with it but here's here's the pros for me everyone's super cute and hot <laughs> yeah they are and uh it's extremely well written <laughs> yes it is i love the line the spark of his life is smothered in shite <laughs> <laughs> it's so poetic it's yet like, so irreverent what a chaucer way to say someone's dead yeah, guys, if you've never read Chaucer, like, he may sound dignified because it's in, like, ye old speak, but he's also profoundly filthy and irreverent. If I, if we're to believe that Chaucer was anything like the character being portrayed in this film, I hate him. <laughs> I know, you get annoyed with Chaucer's character. We'll get there when we get there. But. And so, uh, you know, the guys, they're kind of out of options, and it's William who decides that he is going to ride in Sir Ector's place for the match. We're starting out with a lie. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. I think it's Roland who says, It's not Sir William, it's not Count or Duke or Earl William, it's certainly not King William. I'm aware of that. You have to be of noble birth to compete. A detail. The landscape is food. Do you want to eat or don't you? If the nobles find out who you are, they'll be the devil to pay. And pray that they don't. And you know what? William's just like, fuck it. Because being a knight is something that he has always wanted since he was a little boy. Indeed. Like, there are, we'll get flashbacks later of William and his dreams of becoming a knight. I really think that's how this movie should have started. Yeah. And I think it would have benefited us to know from the beginning just how much he wanted to be a knight. Here comes the anachronism. <laughs> yeah. When they <laughs> arrive. When they arrive at the joust, what are they singing? <laughs> Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, clean in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing, we will, we Okay. Bow, bow, bow. 
Keep it playing. Keep it playing while we talk. Tell me the funniest thing you told me about these extras. All these extras in this film. Okay, parts of this movie were definitely filmed in Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So most of the extras are Czechoslovakian, and they don't speak English. So they're just told to do what they're doing. Yeah, they're just like yell and scream and act like you're at a sporting match. It's like we're going to a club in 2001. <laughs> we will, we will rock you. And More the, accurately, like a football game, You're right, right you're right. Because this is the football of the middle times, right? Yes! Of the, of the middle times. <laughs> when they walk into the stadium, I'm like, okay, so we've got Robert Baratheon, Gabriel Martin, and Sonny the NS5. <laughs> About to enter a jousting <laughs> tournament. It's absurd, it right? It is, it is. And I guess this is as good a time as any, while the credits are rolling, to explain how jousting works. Because you see it a lot in medieval movies, but uh, no one ever really explains the point system. I'll sum it up right now. Oh, you will? Just a bunch of prideful men with small weenies hitting each other with their sticks. <laughs> I'm kidding, no. That's right. The knights ride horses, and they are armed with what's called a lance, which is basically just a big, long stick. And you ride down separate sides of a partition at one another, and there are three ways to score. You can score one point by breaking a lance between the knight's waist and his neck. That's one point. My hand's going up. Why? What's a lance? A lance is the long, pointy stick. That they're aiming at each other. Yes. Indeed. And then you can score two points by breaking a lance on a helmet, which is a much smaller target. Oh, right in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and you know, the the lances they're using are actually hollow. They're made of balsa wood. And they're... When you told me this. <laughs> I know. Continue. The, the balsa wood lances are hollow in the middle, and then they're filled with balsa chips and uncooked linguine. <laughs> so that when they bust them on each other's faces and chest, it go- looks like it's going everywhere. Yeah, it's like really <laughs> realistic splinters. <laughs> balsa Pasta! <laughs> hey, Archie, why have some balsa past? And then, most significantly, you can score three points for knocking a knight off his horse. And if you do all of this in the first quarter, how does that... <laughs> Or is it an inning? No, no, no. It's actually three. They call it a lance instead of a round. So it's like you get three lances or chances, as it were, to score points. When's the halftime show? (laughs) And who's performing? I don't know. They couldn't get Snoop Dogg for this one. They should have got Chaucer for the halftime show. (laughs) That's a way to waste 20 minutes. Oh, my God. You're not kidding. (laughs) The whole opening credits were watching the jousting tournament. And, like, I, again, I just love how everybody's acting like we're at a football game. I know. There are some people with painted faces. People are losing their minds. Where are the merciless advertisements? <laughs> they didn't have advertisers in those days. No? No, I don't think so. Okay. And, you know, there's what? What? One of three prizes for winning this? Yeah. You, you... get money, jewels, and women. Is yeah. that what it is? <laughs> Something like that. Mm -hmm. And this goes well for William posing as Sir Ector, doesn't it? Yeah, nobody realizes it's him. He enters the tournament without incident and wins the joust. Do you remember what William's first prize as a jouster is? His first prize is a golden peacock feather. Which they immediately turn around and sell so they can have money to eat. Yes. I think they get 15 15 pieces of gold. It's 15 silver florins. Oh, florins, yes. Mm -hmm. That's the currency. And like the fact that they've pulled this off has got William thinking. Instead of using the money to eat, 
He suggests that they use this money to enter a bigger tournament in a neighboring kingdom for more money. William says we could do this. But he can't even joust. Well, most of it is the guts to take a blow, to strike one. Guts I have. And technique? I have a month to learn that. You're not of noble birth. Well, so we lie. How did the nobles become noble in the first place, huh? They took it at the tip of a sword. I'll do it with a lance. A blunted lance? Oh, no matter what, a man can change his stars. And I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. He tells these guys, listen, a man can change his stars. Yeah. What a great line. It is a great line. Brian, you fudged this thing, but like, I think you wrote it really well. I love how Watt basically says, man, we ate shit. <laughs> and I'm hungry. And William's like, you're not even willing to try. What is it that Watt really wants to get? He wants, oh God, tansy cakes. Tansy cakes. <laughs> With peppermint icing. I don't even know. You couldn't eat them anyway because you're allergic to peppermint. Ugh. But what did you do back then if you were allergic to peppermint? Just die? Yep. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, medieval times. So this is how they come up with this plan. William is going to front as a knight of noble birth and enter tournaments so they can make big money. And I have montage time. Uh, the music. I can't. Uh, unlucky! I think he's getting worse. He is getting worse. This is when we're training in the forest. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. William's not that great at this. No, not really. I don't know what that other knight's problem was. I don't know how they managed to pull out that win, but William's actually pretty bad at this. I think this is I, I think this is where I wrote, this is millennial baiting. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> because obviously they're going to identify with the anachronistic the Obviously we're going to identify with the anachronistic elements of this. Yeah, like the modern humor. Yeah. And like the modern comedic timing. Baz Luhrmann would later take this and crush it too death. Absolutely. <laughs> this, he, co this whole concept. That's a dead horse he couldn't stop kicking. Absolutely not. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet 1996 was a crime! <laughs> anyway, moving on. We're practicing with the Lance and like they're, he's using Roland and Watt as target practice. I love the, uh, the line that's used throughout the film that they're gonna fong each other. <laughs> That, it literally just means kick, right? Yeah. They're going to kick each other around. I had to look that up in the middle of the movie. I'm like, okay, they keep saying this word, and I don't know what it means. I'll phone you. I swear to God. Uh, this is where I wrote, why am I in love with all of them? Because they're so fun. Yeah, they are fun. And, like, they're like brothers. Yeah. They grew up together. And, like, we finally get a haircut. And when I say we, I mean William. Because up until this point, he's had these horrible white man dreads. Yeah, that, not, yeah. And then he gets a haircut so he can fit all of his hair into the helmet. And it's just, God, it's peak Heath Ledger, the ear-length blonde hair. I am cringe. Oh, that beautiful smile. Oh. So now we're on the road to a place called Ruin. Like, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. R-O-U-E-N. It's a city in France. Ruin. And all of a the sudden, they're just walking along, right? Yeah. And all of a the sudden, there's a naked man walking past them. What are you doing? Uh, trudging. You know, trudging, to trudge, to trudge the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in his life 
Except the impulse to simply soldier on. Believe it or not, this is Geoffrey Chaucer. Yeah! <laughs> the author of A Knight's Tale. Na- <laughs> the author of A Knight's Tale. Just naked as the day he was born walking down this road. And they're like, uh, hey man, do you want to explain to us why you're just out here naked? <laughs> I love it. He says he's taken an involuntary vow of poverty, which really just means he's been robbed. He's just walking along the road, dick out. Like, it's, like wh- this is, like, Paul Bettany is just out here, skin to the sun. And you know what? This was the first day of shooting. No way. Yes. I got, you know what? It's like Titanic. They wanted to get the naked bits out of the way, so they shot it first. <laughs> yeah. And, like, here's the thing. It's just the four of them in the scene. But there's extras standing by waiting to shoot scenes. Oh, I hope he wore a cocksock. <laughs> He's just naked in front of God and everybody. Geoffrey Chaucer, the writer. A what? A, a what? A writer? You know, I write with ink and parchment. For a penny, I'll scribble you anything you want from summonses, decrees, edicts, warrants, patents of nobility. I've even been known to jot down a poem or two of the muse descent. When we think of writer, we think, oh, he's a storyteller. But writer back then literally meant, I'm literate. I can read and write. I can write things for those who can't. Not everyone can read back in the 1212. And so one of his talents is he can write patents of nobility, which really just means he can fake birth certificates. And you know what they need to compete in big tournaments? Patents of nobility. Gotta prove you're noble if you want to compete. I think you have to prove your noble blood for like four generations going back. Indeed. In order to compete in these tournaments. Chaucer is offering them six generations <laughs> Yeah, that he's gonna make up on the spot and he's like listen you know just help us out and we'll help you out seeing as how you're naked and by yourself and so william gives himself a fake name sir ulrich von lichtenstein believable enough guys okay <laughs> believable enough so we uh, go on our way to ruin right yeah <laughs> on our way to ruin on our way to ruin anyway smash cut to the tournament grounds in ruin and chaucer is going to serve as their herald as well which really just means that he's there to be the hype man and yeah. a, and a vouch for william indeed like it, bef- like the guy that gets up and is like in this corner we've got so and so yeah know? like at a wrestling match mm-hmm. and like they enter the tournament without incident they present the fake patents of nobility and nobody bats an eye and like this is where William sees Jocelyn for the first time we don't know her name but I'm just gonna say it Lady Jocelyn I wrote oh no not a woman to be one." Oh yeah mm. that's one thing I hate about stories about knights and kings and stuff like that is that the women are always viewed as a prize hello Maid Marian and Robin Hood please Please. I know. And so she's walking through the crowd with her lady-in-waiting, Christiana, and he's so struck by her appearance. He starts stalking her. He does. He (laughs) does start stalking her. He's on horseback, wandering through the crowd, following the back of her head. He (laughs) follows her all the way on horseback inside the Cathedral of Ruin? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's so busy, he has no idea he's ridden into a church on horseback, and that really pisses off the sextons. (laughs) That cleric goes, You desecrate the house of God! He's just sitting on that horse, standing in the middle of the cathedral. He's just become aware of his surroundings. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Get your car out of the church! (laughs) Sir, you can't park here. Uh... 
And what would you do with my name, Sir Hunter? Call me a fox, for that is all I am to you. A fox? Oh, well, then a fox you shall be until I find your name. My foxy lady. Once he leaves the church, we are introduced to a pair of characters who are actually famous in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, Simon the Summoner and Peter the Pardoner. Mm. Simon the Summoner appears to do what his name implies, summon William Mm -hmm. to the side of Jeffrey because he's in some trouble again. I wrote naked again, Jeff. Yeah, he's naked again. He's naked again. You were never robbed, were you? Look, I have a gambling problem. I can't help myself. And these people, they'll (laughs) quite literally take the clothes off your back. William is feeling a little shitty because Chaucer lied to him. And, like, they're literally going to take a pound of flesh from Chaucer if William doesn't pay his debt. And William orders them to release him on a promissory note that he will pay off his debt from his winnings in the joust tournament. Swordplay is also part of this tournament, which that was... It is? Yeah, that's that's something I had forgotten. William is getting up to compete in the sword part of it, and this is where Chaucer finally starts to prove his worth. He's hyping the crowd up for William. Get on with it, Chaucer. (laughs) I can't, I can't. Yes! Behold my Lord Ulrich! The rock! The hard place! Like a wind from Gotland, he sweeps by, blown far from his homeland in search of glory and honor. We walk in the garden of his turbulence! And, like, there's this long pause. And it's because the non-English-speaking Czech extras don't know that that's their cue to cheer. Completely natural, right? Yeah. They caught that on film. Yeah, and Mark Addy's just going, yeah! (laughs) Like, everybody starts yelling, and I'm like, that's hysterical. I love that. William's doing well in the tournament, but his armor is becoming rather damaged from all the hits he's taking. And they're out of money to replace it. They've basically used up all their winnings from the last tournament. (laughs) And they're going around to the blacksmiths that camp out at every tournament, and they're like, store credit? Store credit, sir? (laughs) And everybody's like, no, don't work for free. (laughs) Yeah, for real. But why don't you go talk to this woman who thinks she's a blacksmith? Yeah, Kate is a blacksmith in these medieval times. You're like, woo. Ooh, a lady blacksmith. This is Laura Fraser. Yeah. Excuse me. Don't work for free. And I can't joust with broken armor. Your problem, not mine. Each drop of this sweat has a price on it. You know, her husband used to be a blacksmith, but then he died, left her a widow, and without any means of support. So now she's like, fuck it, give me the smithy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gonna fucking do this. And they're like, oh, we don't want to take it to a woman. And you know what? But they don't have any choice, right? Yeah, and she's, but she too is like, I don't work for free. And they're like, it's okay, we bet you can't anyway. (laughs) Which is a so you thing. Oh, it is not. The quickest way to get Carrie Ann to do something is to tell her she can't. And that's exactly what happens here. Well, just as well. They told me I was daft for even asking. Who? Oh, the other armorers. Did they say I couldn't do it because I'm a woman? No, they said you were great with horseshoes, but shite with armor. The fact that you're a woman wasn't even mentioned. They're basically like, hey, all these other male blacksmiths say you can't do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> She's all pissed. She's like, give it to me. <laughs> 
uh-oh, guess what? What? We have to talk about Count Adamar. <laughs> Marge Simpson groan. <laughs> Count Adamar is our villain for this story, and he is here to put the moves on Lady Jocelyn. Eh. She's sitting in the stands with her lady in waiting, and he's trying to sweet-talk her by mansplaining the rules of jousting. Also, should you bear a rider to the ground, you win his horse. And do men die in the joust? The lance's points are tipped with coronals as blunts them. Of course, accidents happen. He might as well have walked up to her and said, you want to see it? (laughs) Oh, no. You know what I mean? You mean his lance? That's how he's acting. Yes, his (laughs) lance. That's how he's acting. This is where William rides up again. And he's like, you, what's your name? You didn't tell me your name. Yeah, he's like, may I have your name, my lady? Your name, lady. I still need to hear it. Sir Hunter, you persist. Or perhaps angels have no names. Only beautiful faces. Okay. Oh, the sweet talk. The sweet talk. All right. Like, listen, guys, I know. I know this crap would never work on me in reality. But when Heath Ledger says stuff like that, I just, I want to swoon. It's, oh, my God. But Adamar's whole outlook is Jocelyn or bust. Yeah. Like. Because, again, women are prizes in stories like this. And, like, he knows. He knows that he's going to beat William in the match. Or Ulrich, I should say. Because, remember, he is going by a fake name. Why is every Jocelyn look like she's on the cover of Vogue Avignon? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Medieval Vogue. Yeah. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she does have like colored streaks in her hair and like, stuff like that girl who is the Miranda Priestly of your day and who's like, making the clothes like I don't know what she's <laughs> using as hair gel but like it's just I, her hairdos her Pope look in the beginning yeah I know <laughs> it's amazing and you know Chaucer gets up again to introduce William I know you hate these bits because he goes on for far too long but he he really does have an edge as a herald because he's not just addressing the nobles, you know, who the sport is, quote, technically for. Mm -hmm. He's also addressing the peasants. My lords, my ladies, and everybody else here not sitting on a cushion. Today, today, you find yourselves equals. Oh, yeah, because he he kind of ties everyone together a little bit. Yeah, lords and ladies and everyone not sitting on a velvet cushion. Yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> William wins the next joust against this knight named Colville. Can I just say one thing? What? None of the, none of the knights that he goes up against are really trying. <laughs> and you want to know why that is? Because it's a movie. We have a film to film. <laughs> we have a movie to film. Like, Colville knows he's going to lose this match. Like, he he's down. He, he knows he's got no energy left. And he's like, but I would like to keep my honor intact. So are you okay with letting me withdraw? Yeah, he withdraws. And William's like, yeah, that's fine. And they have to put up the white banner. Yeah. I surrender. <laughs> Colville withdraws. Ulrich advances. Why didn't Ulrich finish him? He shows mercy. Then he shows his weakness. That's all mercy is. Shut up, Adamar! Not the toxic masculinity! No one asked you! <laughs> Literally not a single person. But 
that's kind of the event that gets Adamar to fixate on William slash Ulrich, right? Fixate on something else. He really wants to beat William in a joust. Rufus, leave. And like, I love it. William's first question when he comes out of that match is, did the pretty lady see me? (laughs) (laughs) He wants Jocelyn to pay attention to him so bad. Indeed. We get this scene in the competitors' quarters that night where William is just waxing about how much he loves Jocelyn, even though he doesn't know her name. And I love these lines. You're so right about how well this is written. Yeah. For the love of Victor, William goes to sleep. I can't. Love has given me wings, so I must fly. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Carrie, can you can you can you can you pick your pants up off the floor, please? <laughs> We're at work. It is a panty peeler. I'm sorry. Stop. Oh my god. <laughs> and it turns out Jocelyn is also super into William. It warms my heart thinking about those two kids <laughs> doing, doing it. <laughs> she wants him to win the tournament for her, not Adamar, which is a big stretch because Adamar doesn't lose, right? Like, you know what my favorite thing about Adamar is? Mm. His lance has a fist on the end of it. Yeah, when you pointed that out, I was like, no way. <laughs> and it does. It has a little fist that looks like it's coming at you. I can't. I can't. These medieval dude bros need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> The next day, for the first joust, Jocelyn sends Christiana to William with a scarf of hers. She might as well be her owl. I know, right? You know what I mean? But, like, it's a token that she wants him to wear while he jousts. Mm -hmm. It's cute. It's like wearing your best girl's pin or your boyfriend's class ring, that kind of thing. And he's like, I'm steadied. I'm going to do this. I love how Roland's like, concentrate. Don't think about (laughs) the pretty girl. The whole time Roland's like, get your mind off these women. (laughs) We're here to make money. Adamar is up first to joust with William, and the joust gets underway, and they're pretty equally matched. Both of them are scoring points, and William is barely eking by. And on the third lance, Adamar hits him in the head with the lance. With the fist. Yeah, with the fist of his lance. And all of a sudden, we're in flashback. I'm like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Knocked him back in time. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. And, like, we get little William with his father. I think his father's name is John. Someday, I'll be a knight. (gasps) A Thatcher's son? A knight? You might as well try to change the stars. (laughs) Can it be done, Father? Can a man change the stars? Yes, William. If he believes enough, a man can do anything. John's like, every man can change his stars. I love that so much. Like, son, you can be anything you want to be. It doesn't matter that you're a Thatcher son. You want to be a knight, you go out and you do it. And I love that. There was a Thatcher many centuries later who made quite a splash in politics. So, (laughs) All of a sudden, we're jerked back into the present. And William's lost the joust. Yeah, it, it's over. It's over. Adamar handing Jocelyn the thing that she gave William to wear. Yeah, he picks that scarf up off the ground with his lance and hands it back to her like, this is yours, my lady. And the whole thing makes Watt so mad that he's about to jump over the partition and beat the shit out of Adamar. Indeed. <laughs> like, Chaucer has to knock him back down. Like, stop it. Behave yourself. <laughs> 
but he does get a prize for sword fighting. And so now he knows the next time he goes up against Adamar, he cannot underestimate him. Mm-hmm. William wants to pack up camp and go to the next tournament, like go to the next town. Yeah. But Chaucer says, no, no, no. We have to go to the post-tournament banquet and make an appearance. They have to go to a party. We're going to a party, guys. Here's the thing. William, obviously not being of noble birth. He ain't got no fancy clothes. He ain't got no fancy clothes. He also ain't got no fancy airs. He doesn't know how to behave himself at a party for nobles. (laughs) When Christiana comes from Lady Jocelyn. (gasps) I love this. To ask what. Uh, William will be wearing to the party so that she can match him. Oh my god. And he's like, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be, Roland, what am I gonna be wearing? Uh, Squire, answer her. What, uh, color is my tunic tonight? Uh, green. Um, trimmed in a kind of pale green uh, with with, uh, wooden toggles. This is medieval flirting. Yeah. I intellectualized that in that moment. Indeed. What color is your tunic going to be so I can match it? Like, oh my God. What will we be wearing to the dance? Remember the lady blacksmith, Kate? Yes. She (laughs) graciously offers to teach William how to dance. Mm -hmm. Because I guess she's a lady. She knows that kind of thing. Yeah, all women knew how to dance in those days. I guess. It went right along with sewing and worshiping your man. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And, like, she's, like, in the stable where they're practicing, and she's laughing at them because they're all so bad at this. Yes. And just graciously offers to teach them all how to dance. And it's very sweet. And one, and two, three, and four, five, six, seven. Change partners. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Polonaise. And one. You're not going to wear your hair like that, are you? Is there another way? (laughs) Cut to the banquet. And William walks in in that green tunic that Roland made for him. He looks cute. And I love that Roland made it. I know. You know, like, Ro- Roland knows textiles? Like, <laughs> what is the line? If you want to play, if you want to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. If you want to play the jazz, you got to have a sewer in the band. <laughs> And, like, Lady Jocelyn is also wearing a green dress, and I could just swoon. Can we talk about her hair in this scene for two seconds? It's wild. Yeah, this is the one where all of the length of it is gelled for Jesus. She's looking a little punk. (laughs) Yeah! You know what I mean? Like, it's very early odds. I'm just, like, I just want to see her rolling along the chamber floor on a skateboard. (laughs) If I could ask God one thing, it would be to stop the moon. Stop the moon and make this night and your beauty last forever. Oh my god! (laughs) You're making barf noises! Oh my god. Come on, Ross. You can't tell me that doesn't make your heart flutter. No, again, I'll say this again because this is where I thought about it again. Lucas, I can see what this is doing for you. (laughs) I see what you see in that Shannon Sossaman. Because I see it too. It's time to dance, like you do at a banquet, and this is where Adamar decides to be a huge dick. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Ulrich, why don't you show us all a dance of your country? 
Show us a dance of Gelderland. Oh, yes. Gelderland. Uh... He's so awkward. Like, he's just making it up as he goes along. <laughs> and everyone's slowly copying him. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's a lot like uh, the Farindal. Uh, but with some differences. It, uh, well, you should bow. Jocelyn comes to his rescue, right? Uh-huh. She starts using her own dance moves and, like, pulls his ass out of the fire. Indeed. Keeps him from looking silly. And then he magically knows every move <laughs> with along with everyone else in the room. The magic of movies. That's the magic of Bowie, baby. Ah, uh, yeah! He's channeling through everyone. question. What? What is this? <laughs> What's with the Bowie? It gets really cool really fast. Yeah, like because every everyone just starts vibing, but it's like 12-12. And all of a sudden Golden Years is playing. I know. What a great song. It's a fun, it's probably my favorite sequence in the films when they're all dancing around to Bowie. See, Bowie transcends time. <laughs> He's not just 70s, 80s. He's also He's 1380s. 1380s. Whole time Adamar is watching and hating life because he was supposed to embarrass him and just ended up making him look cool. Get that, Rufus! <laughs> Stay mad, ho! Kate fashions William some brand new armor for his next tournament. It's really lightweight and impenetrable. Like, they're worried that it's going to be too lightweight. Like, he's going to get gored on the first lance. Mm -hmm. But I guess she has a special way of pressing the metal so it's thin but also dense at the same time. Not a lot of people know this, but this was the birth of Nike. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Because, like, a lot of craftsmen <laughs> in those days, they put their mark on their craft. So that in case anyone else is interested. Yeah, so it's like it's like her signature, and I shit you not, guys, it's a pair of upside down Nike swooshes. We came up on screen and we said, just do it. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if that's supposed to be a joke, but if it is, it's hilarious. If it had signified something to do with her name or something, that would make sense, but no. <laughs> It's just two Nike symbols upside down. He's got a Nike sponsorship. <laughs> William Thatcher, Nike armor. <laughs> They're on their way to the next tournament. What's this place called again? I'm certain I'm going to mispronounce this, but I have in my notes Lagny Sermarn. Okay, show it to me. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Lani Simon. <laughs> Lani Simon. Okay. So now we're at Lani Simon. We're still in France. And this tournament starts off really well. Like right out of the gate, William knocks the other knight off his horse, which remember, that's the three pointer. <laughs> oh, baby, a triple. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the next joust match is going to be between Adamar and this unknown rider. Adamar's squire runs up to him as he's getting on the horse and he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're pretty sure this is Edward. And we're like, what, what, Edward who? Adamar withdrew. A draw like that can mean only one thing. Royalty. And then I have in all capital letters, 
royalty is here. Yes. Ross, do you want to talk about Edward the Black Prince? Edward the Black Prince was the Prince of Wales. He never got to be king. He was slain before that happened. He was a Plantagenet. He was a Plantagenet, baby. You'll see why we're happy about that later this month, right? (laughs) Yes. Right? Yes. But his father is King Edward III, who is is actually the son of King Edward II, who is Edward Longshanks from Braveheart. Yes. Indeed. Uh, Let Scotland be itself. Yeah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> he was the only one of Edward's children that died, right? Uh-huh. Which would make him the Deadward, if you will. Ah! <laughs> I remember when you said that. <laughs> no, he died. Edward died. Deadward. <laughs> Deadward the Black Prince. You were like hitting me on the couch like stop it, stop it, that's too funny. Deadward. Comedy police, open up the joke's joke is too, too funny. funny. I can't go back to jail. We're too much. We really are. We're so much it hurts. And the reason that everybody's up in arms about Deadward is because he's unbeatable. So unbeatable that Adamar withdraws. He's like, nope. Nope. White banner. Too rich for my blood. Absolutely not. But because Adamar withdraws, William wins by default. Which you think he'd be happy about that, but he's not happy about it at all. Because he wants to beat Adamar. He was denied the chance to face him in a joust because Adamar withdrew. And so William just starts following Adamar around to other tournaments. We end up in Bordeaux, which is a good wine, I think. Stop, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good French yeah. wine. We make our way around France a good distance. Yeah, we do. And like they show up in Bordeaux, William and his crew, and Adamar's not in this tournament. No. He's been called back to war. The Battle of Poitiers. Yeah, Poitiers. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, I love it because he's on the battlefield. He's, like, giving commands and stuff like that. And even though he's on the battlefield, he's still tracking William's success. Honey, (laughs) stop peeking around corners. (laughs) Like, his squires are bringing him the results of all these other tournaments. And he's just getting pissed because William, as von Lichtenstein, keeps winning. What is this, high school? (laughs) Come on, Adamar. Cut to Chaucer, Roland, and Watt helping William write a love letter to Jocelyn. Kate's there, too. Yeah, Kate is there. I'm Kate, sorry. Kate is slowly becoming one of the boys. Yeah. And, you know, good for her. Say something about her breasts. Yeah, you miss her breasts. Her breasts. Y- yes, you you could. Um, uh, but I-, I would tend to look above her breasts, William. Why, well, I-, I miss her throat. Uh, still higher, really, towards the heavens? The moon, at least. Her breasts were not that impressive. <laughs> and I love this because it's kind of a group effort. Like, you know, William, he he loves very deeply, but he's not always great with words. He's like, bitches, come here, be my Cyrano. Yeah! Absolutely. Come be my Cyrano! That's exactly right! Let's debaugerac this bitch. <laughs> you know? Watt and Roland, they're talking about the women they used to love. And William is using their words to tell her he loves her. When Watt's talking about the kitchen maid yeah. that he used to love. Aww. That kitchen maid was me. That kitchen maid was me. I wish it was me. <laughs> and then, like, I love what Kate says. Love should end with hope. My husband, God rest him, told me something I'll never forget. Hope guides me. It is what gets me through the day and especially the night. The hope that after you're gone from my sight, it will not be the last time I look upon you. 
Jocelyn's going to need new pants <laughs> after she reads this letter. Some new, uh, some some new knickers. I'm sorry. Yes, women didn't wear pants. She's gonna need a new gown. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now we got to go to Paris uh-huh. for the next tournament. And like William goes to meet Jocelyn in Notre Dame of all places. One of the biggest, most beautiful cathedrals that's ever existed. Mm, tourist trap. It is a tourist trap now. But like, w- I mean, I realize it's a set. But like when they were in there and like there were no pews, no nothing, just a bunch of candlesticks and people kneeling on the stone floor. I was like, wow. But yeah, they meet up in Notre Dame and immediately she's like Roxanne and Cyrano. Speak to me like you do in your letters. But he really can't because he definitely had help with that letter. The way she's like, talk sexy. I demand poetry. And when I want it and I want it now. Your breast. They're below your throat. Where... Jocelyn, how may I prove my love to you? Your breasts. They're below your throat. (laughs) (laughs) No game. Absolutely none. William. I'm like, where's the guy that said the thing about angels having beautiful faces? Where did that guy go? Yeah. Is he all nervous now? Has he be- he's become a kind of celebrity too, hasn't he? In this part of the world, he's got a following. People know who he is. Yeah, there's but- lots of nice pretty young ladies who would like to hear him talk about their throats. But they only know him as Ulrich von Lichtenstein or whatever his name is. Yeah, not as William Thatcher. And listen, here's what's infuriating about this film is that just as Jocelyn has me, just as I'm pulling for her to get her love, she makes an absurd request. Instead of winning to honor me with your high reputation, I want you to act against your normal character and do badly. Do badly. Lose. No, losing proves nothing except that I'm a loser. Wrong. Losing is a much keener test of your love. Losing would contradict your self-love and losing would show your obedience to your lover and not to yourself. Really? And I'm like, this is beyond unreasonable. Jocelyn, what? Why? What does losing just just lose because I told you to? No, it's it's gonna show her that he cares more about her than being all high and mighty and winning the trophy and all that shit. I know. He's like, I will not lose, and she's like, Well, then you do not love me. And honestly, I'm just like, Jocelyn, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, I no. literally wrote, Fuck Jocelyn. Like. <laughs> You're making this so much more difficult than it needs to be. For real. And guys, here's the insane part. He does it? Yeah, William <laughs> William gets all armored up. He gets back on the horse. And he's and, like, I refuse to lose. I'm not going to do this. But then he turns around and totally does it. The next jow starts... And the guy on the other side starts running towards him on his horse. And he's just standing there. Yeah, he just stops. (laughs) And rolling in water like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Losing. I don't understand. Neither do I. (laughs) He really does love her. (laughs) He really does. Yeah. And like this 
also pisses Chaucer off because he's got bets on William. Yeah. <laughs> like, they really are losing money. If there's one character in this entire thing that learns nothing, it's Chaucer. It really is. It's Chaucer. He's still gambling. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's just this montage of him letting the other guy break his lance on him over and over and over again. He, he's getting what we call in modern times, creamed. <laughs> Over and over again. The shots of him getting blasted off that horse. <laughs> and the shots of Jocelyn, she keeps going, oh my god. Yeah. Mm, this injury is turning me on. And I'm like, <laughs> he really does love me. And I'm like, fuck off. And finally, Jocelyn says, okay, okay, you can start winning again. That's enough. You proved your point. <laughs> no, when she goes to his tent, and I said, no, I said, fuck Jocelyn, not fuck Jocelyn. <laughs> Yeah, that night Jocelyn goes to William's tent and presents herself to him as his prize. And I'm like, oh, barf. And she's like, you want me to suck your dick? And he's like, I can't move. My ribs are broken. He did not say that. No, no, she did not say that. This is where she levels with him, that she knows his name is William. Because Christiana hears Roland and Watt calling him William all the time. My maid tells me that sometimes you're violet. That they call you William. Is this so, Sir Ulrich? Yes, it is so. Your name makes no matter to me. Just so long as I can call you my own. Then why are we doing all of the lying? <laughs> Because William will be thrown in jail if anyone finds out that he is not a nobleman. Do crime! Do crime! Fuck the order! <laughs> Fuck the kingdom! You're right, you're right. The king of France ain't got nothing on him! <laughs> and so, William and his crew are on their way back to London because that's where the World Championship Jousting Tournament is being held. The Super Bowl's in London. The Super Bowl's in London! Absolutely. And, like, it's been a long time since William, Roland, and Watt have been back here, right? Indeed. The existential boat ride across <laughs> the channel. Yes. <laughs> we get another flashback to William's father bringing him to Sir Ector. To Insurrector, those... yeah. No, not to Insurrector. To Sir Ector. Hector? No. Erector set? This is, like, 12 years ago. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> I'm just ignoring you. <laughs> You're ignoring me at this point? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sir Hector is looking little William up and down, and he's like, well, he's shrimpy, but he's got moxie. Mm -hmm. I like the cut of his jib. You got spunk, kid. You got spunk. <laughs> you got guts, kid. It's too bad I got to beat him out of you. I know. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. You were kind of being tough on John Thatcher initially. I'm sorry. He gave his kid to a stranger. Yes. But, and, and then I know, and then Carrie Ann comes back at me with the whole, it was a different time no, argument. No, 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 That's not what I said. I said it was William's choice. William wanted to train with a knight. That child does not have choices. Okay, I know. He's supposed to be the parent and tell him no. <laughs> yes. But I love it. John is supporting his dream. It's all I can do for you, son. Now go change your stars and live a better life than I have. I'm afraid. Of what? I won't know the way back home. Don't be foolish, William. You just follow your feet. 
and then we cut back to the present and the boat comes up to the Bank of London and then we get another song. The World Championship of Jousting, everybody. Again, who is playing the halftime show? <laughs> I need to know. I mean, maybe it's fuck. It could be Neil Diamond at this point. All for right, all we right. Know. There's been yeah. There's yeah. The Super Bowl Joust headliners <laughs> at the halftime show: David Bowie, Neil Diamond, and Jeffrey uh, Chaucer. Jeffrey Chaucer. <laughs> William is greeted by a feverish crowd of fans who have heard all about his jousting across Europe. What's his symbol now? It's a firebird. Yeah, and, and everybody's got firebirds painted on their face or on their tunics. Yeah. yeah, and they've got, just to match their outfits, I love that so much, because people buy football jerseys Indeed. of their favorite players. And, like, William's on horseback riding through town, and he sees this little boy standing on top of a fence, waving at him, and for a second... It looks like his younger self. Oh, how nice. I love that moment. He is now the hero he wanted to be yeah. in all of these kids' eyes. And it's just, it's beautiful. Finally, Count Adamar has reappeared to compete in the world championship. I guess the war doesn't need him anymore. Listen, I'm sorry. This is bullshit to me. Why? He should not be allowed to compete in the world championship. Because he missed other tournaments? He's not been competing. He's been at war. Count Adamar wanders up to William and starts talking some mad shit. You've done well in my absence. On the field and off, so I'm told. Winning trophies, horses, women... Beautiful, isn't she? A real thoroughbred trophy, don't you think? You speak of Jocelyn like she is a target. Isn't she? No. She is the arrow. Oh, I love that. All right. I love that. Okay, William, okay. I am the arrow, baby. Yes, you are. <laughs> I know, he's not talking about me. No, And I'm sad about that. I know. And so William is a little depressed, and he decides he's going to take a ride through Cheapside and look at where he used to live with his father, right? He comes upon this little girl. I love this. She's sitting in the alleyway, and he's like, hey, do you know a guy? You might you might know him. He might be your neighbor. I grew up just around the corner. You know John Thatcher? And, like, she's, she's at 11. She's like, oh, my God, you used to live around here? Yeah. Like, I can do anything, man. Imagine if Peyton Manning walked up to you. <laughs> oh, no. And was like, hey, partner, I'm from these parts. <laughs> and I'd say, who are you who again? Who are you again? <laughs> Which Manning? You play for the Giants, right? <laughs> I wonder if you remember a man that may have died before you were born. He was as tall as a knight. His name was John Thatcher. Of course I remember him. You do? Well, yeah, he lives there still. Sometimes we see him sitting out the window, but no one knows why. What do you mean? He's blind, sir. And so William goes to his childhood home where he finds his father weaving a fishing net. Because, like, I don't know if John's totally blind, but he's effectively blind. Mm -hmm. Like, and I guess maybe weaving is something you can do by muscle memory. I have no idea. But he's weaving a fishing net, and he hears William come in. And William doesn't say, hi, Dad. He doesn't introduce himself as William. 
He says, I have news about your son. And dad lights up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. He wanted you to know that he changed his styles after all. Has he followed his feet? Has he found his way home at last? Yes. And the old man begins to weep. He realizes it's William. Mm -hmm. And like they embrace. cry it's so sweet like he he made a tough choice sending his kid away so he could achieve his dreams and not only did he do it but he managed to find his way back to him Mm -hmm. which was just so rare in those days when you didn't have a map app yeah exactly (laughs) but uh uh-oh Adamar is up to his old tricks again. Oh my God. So Adamar has stalked William to Cheapside. Uh-huh. And he sees William in Thatcher's house. So he knows this is where he used to live. That's his dad. And like, he's not a nobleman like he says he is. He's a fraud. This is the part in Mulan where they find out she's a girl. And so the next day, William is getting all suited up. And Chaucer and Jocelyn come to tell him that Adamar tattled. <laughs> They're waiting for you in the lists. They're going to arrest you. A dozen royal guards. They'll put you in the stocks. But I face Adamar in five minutes' time. Oh, you forfeit. They've already marked it down. And everyone is telling him to run. But William will not have it. He does not want to turn tail. Because knights don't do that, right? They don't. They're begging with him to run so they don't have to see him thrown in jail. Like, Jocelyn, Jocelyn wants to run away with him and live in pig shit. She doesn't care. (laughs) He's like, Jocelyn, you know we have to bring the pigs inside during winter so they don't die, right? Yeah. She's like, I don't give a shit. I love you. (laughs) Then that's beautiful. I know. (laughs) And he says, I will not run. No. I will not run. I'm a knight. And there's like this long pause and Roland and Watt are standing around looking at each other nervously. And I think it's finally Roland who says, Well, boys, all good things must come to an end. Let's end them together. Ah, okay. I love that. I love that so much because, again, even though William's not a knight and even though they aren't proper knight squires anymore, like... There's still this air of fraternity and honor Mm -hmm. that's very a la Knights of the Round Table. Indeed, indeed. And that's running through this whole movie. No matter how goofy it gets in certain parts, we always come back to this theme of honor, fealty, and fraternity. Yes. And I just, I love it. I love it. William marches into the competition grounds like he's about to go up against the school bully and the royal guards arrest him right there on the spot. Needless to say, he gets in the stocks. Yeah, you guys remember the stocks like that old man from Hunchback of Notre Dame? I'm free, I'm free. (laughs) Dang it. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
an image I'd forgotten about. <laughs> Dang it. And so, yeah, <laughs> William's got his head and his hands locked inside the stocks. And, like, the entire town has shown up to throw rotten vegetables at him. Boo, Peyton Manning. Boo. <laughs> I'm like, is this just a favorite pastime in medieval times? We just bring our rotten food to throw at the idiot who's been thrown in the stocks? And, like, here's the thing. His whole crew is standing around him. Chaucer, Roland, Watt, Kate. Like, they're all standing by him, even though he's been basically ruined by this secret getting out. Leave, Roland. Let them have me. God love you, William. So do I. Go! And, like, it's looking real bleak there for a second. Yeah. Because not only are people throwing vegetables, but some people are just running up to him and hitting him. The crowd is getting really antsy. It's gonna turn ugly. And then all of a sudden... We see these three hooded men in the crowd. It's very mysterious. And one of them removes his hood, and it's the Black Prince. Deus Ex Prince of Wales. <laughs> yeah, it really is a Deus Ex Machina. The, the, the Black Prince is just here to save William's ass. And the crowd goes fucking quiet. Prince Edward goes up to him, goes up to William on the stocks, and, like, leans over so that they're at eye level. He's like, well, ain't this some shit? <laughs> you know what? I like you. You yeah. got spunk, kid. What a pair we make. Both trying to hide who we are. Both unable to do so. Kind of taken a shine to William because they're both imposters. Like William wants to be a knight, and the prince just wants to live a be norm- left alone. Yeah, live a normal life. And this is where the prince tells him, "Your men love you. If I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. But you also tilt when you should withdraw." And that is nightly too. This is kind of, I feel like, reminiscent of what Hector said to him in the beginning. Yeah. He's like, you know what? You're poor. Yeah. But you got something in you, kid. Is this not what the Black Prince is saying? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, listen, you might not be what you told everybody you are, but there's something in you and I can see it. I feel the same way about Heath Ledger. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, you tilt when you should withdraw, and that is nightly as well. And like the Black Prince, in front of God and everybody vouches for him. He tells a lie. He goes, my historians have discovered that he is from an ancient line of noble blood. And it's all horseshit, but Deadward really wants him to compete. Deadward? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and right then and there, he orders that the guards release William from the stocks, and then he asks William to kneel in front of him. the power vested in me by my father, King Edward, and by all the witnesses here, I dub thee Sir William. And he knights him. Just fucking knights him. (laughs) I love this. He's like, I am the law in Texas. And this man is Sir William Thatcher. And, like, William's back in the game! 
I know, I know. I love it so much. He can go up against Adamar now. You're about too giddy about this. I'm bouncing. I really shouldn't be, <laughs> but it's just so cool. Okay. He got knighted by the Prince of England in front of everybody. So we're going up against Adamar, are we? Oh, yeah. God damn it, Rufus. I know. Here's the shitty thing. Adamar who up to this point has talked such a huge game about how William can never beat him, Adamar is getting ready to cheat. He sure is, isn't he? Because one of the things about the lances is they always have the blunt tips on them. Remember, the... We can't just be stabbing each other. Yeah, remember the fist that's on the end of Adamar's lance? <laughs> well, guys, this time we have the same fisted lance. The, the tip of it has been... There's been a mold made of sugar... Yeah, it's put over it to make look like the fist. Yeah, it's just spun sugar and black boot. So that as soon as he hits William with it, it's going to explode. And turn into a very sharp point. Yeah, the pointy bit is going to be out. And so they set up for the first lance. It's very tense. They both take off. And sure enough, he impales William through the right shoulder with that lance. Oh my god. It's sticking out. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. It couldn't be worse. It's the arm he holds the lance with. Yeah, it's uh, pretty well injured at this point. And William just tells Roland to pull it out, and you looked at me and went, aren't you not supposed to pull it out? <laughs> aren't you always supposed to leave it in? Because you could bleed out if you pull it out. It's 1380, 14, 1580, whatever the hell. <laughs> His arm is so weak on that second lance, he drops his lance and Adamar strikes a second point. Ow. So now it's Adamar 2, William, nothing. I thought you were going to say now it's Ow 2. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that is Ow 2. Yeah. And that's when Chaucer comes up to William and tells him that Jocelyn is sitting in the stands with his father, even though his father can't see a lick of what's going on. Thank your happy thought, William. He showed up to support his kid, and I love that. William's arm is so weak now. He can't hold it. He can't hold the lance. And so he literally has what? Strap the lance to his arm. Yeah. So he can't possibly drop it. And, like, unfortunately, with his injury, he can barely move with the armor on. So he has Kate take the armor off. Oh, yeah. He's bare. He's he's bare-bodied. He is going at this meat and all, knowing full well that the other guy has a pointy bit on the end of his lance. Uh, okay. And you'll be happy to know that this is the last time that we have to hear from Chaucer at any length, right? This yep. Is, this is his last hype speech. All right. He does the best introduction. But what I love the most about it is that he's not delivering it from the grounds. He jumps up into the stands and stands in front of the prince and his lady. Like, he's literally in between the prince and princess of Wales. He's, just, he's standing on the throne. I know. He's like, excuse me, your majesty. <laughs> excuse me, my lord. Here he is. One of your own. Born a stone's throw from this very stadium, and here before you now, the son of John Thatcher. So, that's your name, Will. Sir William Thatcher. Your father heard that. 
Aw, well now that Daddy's happy, <laughs> we can be happy, right? Yeah, William squares up, and Adamar takes off, and we get this last lance in very slow motion. William, without a shred of armor on, cries out his own name as he knocks Adamar off his horse. He's like, I am William. (laughs) Hear me roar! Will, I am! they do where it, it's it's like Adamar has dissociated he's just lying on his back in the nothingness remember what he said to William earlier you have been weighed you have been measured and you absolutely have been found wanting standing over him and saying it to him. And it's like, na 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 <laughs> And in his trance, he's just like, what? I can't believe that. How did I get here? And then he cries and runs away, poops his <laughs> pants and falls down. I really wish that had, what, that had been what had happened. I know, me too. But guys, the whole stadium goes nuts. Sir William Thatcher has won the World Championship Joust Tournament. Everybody's running around. Everybody's losing their mind. And it, I love how this movie ends because Chaucer is just looking around and thinking to himself, you know what? I ought to write some of this down. Oh, my God. And this is my favorite line in the whole movie. I'm going to have to write some of this story down. The part about the prince... In the night? No, no, no. All of it. All human activity lies within the artist's scope. And then he looks at Watt and he goes, Maybe not yours. <laughs> That's it, guys. That's the story of William Thatcher. Luke, thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> you know what? I liked that. I liked that well enough. It wasn't my favorite thing, but I, I liked it. I'd never seen it before. For the amount of belly aching you did up until you saw it, you really did seem to enjoy it. It's well written. It's very well written. Brian, I give you props for writing it, for directing it. I, you know what? Where did we first read the Canterbury Tales? In Jill Jenkins's class. In Jill Jenkins's humanities class. Jill, like I said at the beginning, if you're listening, we love you. We, we're, we're not, ex- we, we, we didn't exactly say set out to honor you with this, but Luke was also a student of yours, and <laughs> you know what? We, we, we love Chaucer, we loved reading Chaucer, we love studying it, and I like that this tied in here. So, you know, thanks for giving us that literary spark for things. Yeah! Thanks well, for making us want to research things and know more about things. Like, this movie would not be as funny to us as it was if we didn't have lots of medieval Chaucer knowledge. Yes, indeed. There's so many references in this movie to Chaucer work and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't even talk about half of them. I know. You know. And I just want to say, Jill, thank you for making my movie watching experience so much better. Oh, it's better. It's so much better. Oh, it's better. And Jill, we're going to be shouting you out later this month. (laughs) Yeah, we are. You're coming back. Don't worry. (laughs) Stay tuned.
right, guys. Next week, we are going to be talking about a very different kind of film. And I want to go on the record as saying I was bullied into this. There is no direct knights, but there's a king. Yes, there is a king in this one. <laughs> we uh, Another film that we actually talked about and studied in school. Really? You, I did. You did. You talked about this movie in school? Imagine, we, imagine this. We talked about it in speech class. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm, indeed. All right, Ross. Why don't you tell the ladies and ladies at home what we're doing? Folks, next week, we are going to be covering the 2010 Academy Award-winning picture, The King's Speech. (laughs) Starring Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush. I love Colin Firth. I know. Jeffrey Rush, you're a creep. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. God damn it, you give some great performances such as Lionel Logue and the Marquis de Sade and Hector Barbosa, but you're a fucking freak. (laughs) The whole episode's just going to be Ross's history corner, and I'm so ready. You gross little Anglophile. That's why you want to do it next, isn't it? (laughs) You want to get it out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I've been found out. So look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. And we would also love it if you came and join our little Patreon fam. For $5 a month, you can join our little onion tier and get access to all of our long-form content. Talking about television bonus episodes and some stuff out of the timeline oh absolutely and just so you guys know when we say the timeline guys remember we just cover things between 1980 and now but we like to step out of the box sometimes it'll be fun more quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming until then i'm carrie i'm ross and as always sorry, sorry mom, mom.